Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. I'm afraid we're about sounding a bit gloomy. Well, I mean, it's inevitable, isn't it? Well, inevitable is the word I think we've been using every day of this series so far. Um, it, there was somebody posted on Twitter actually uh, earlier today an image of this series so far, and it was two boxers, and one boxer just smacked the other one in the chin and he fell down. <laughs> um, and that was kind of supposed to be a metaphor for this series. I mean, of course, for you, Simon, it's been a bit of a weird day for, for lots of reasons. Yes, it has, Yoz. It's been a very strange day. We weren't allowed to go to the ground today, the Test Match Special Team, nor the ABC radio team because of COVID protocols. There was a, a positive test in our circle, and so we were not allowed to go. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's the reality. It's what happens in a situation like this, and so we were kept away from the ground, so we were sort of doing it remotely, watching the, the day's play, doing little updates, while the, the ABC remote team, which they'd scrambled, uh, were doing things from Perth, and it was good to hear Kim Hughes on there, former Australia captain Kim Hughes was, was on the commentary, and Mitchell Johnson as well, he, he was there as well, but you know, an unsatisfactory day, obviously, you know, from a broadcasting point of view, and as you say, the inevitable ashes, we talked about them being the friendly ashes, Yoz, but I think they've become the inevitable ashes, that's how it feels, it's, it's going to be 2-0 tomorrow, and I can't, I can't help but start this podcast by just pointing in the direction of my prediction last night. I mean, no one likes a smart ass, do they, actually? But can you remember what my prediction for the close of play score was? Can you remember? 80 for four. It was 80 for four, yeah. I mean... <sighs> and I, I, when I was watching the last session, actually, I was thinking <laughs> when it was 77 for three, I was thinking Simon Mann's got his predictions pretty accurate this, so, so far this series. We've got to lose a wicket in the last 20 minutes. And sure enough... <laughs> England did. 
Joe Ger- Root, like an absolute killer blow that that final wicket. And yes, it gives you the the brownie points, the the bragging rights again. But it also, of course, gives Australia even bigger bragging rights because that was the wicket they needed. And it, it's just, uh, I, I, I guess, in, you know, even more demoralising for England to see Root, who would have, you know, he had a difficult day, twice hit in the in the in the nuts, as it were, uh, and. Uh, now he's lost his wicket as well. Have you been hit in the the groin by a cricket ball? In what do they call it? The crown jewels is what one phrase they were using on TV. Um, yes, I have, and it, it hurts like hell. Uh, it's horrible. It, it's like it, it is a bit like being punched in the stomach, only worse. Uh, it, so yeah, it takes your mind off everything. You you can't focus on playing cricket for really best part of. A, 24 hours so so facing up to Mitchell Stark the next few balls as I, as as you put it no pun intended um is uh, is hard and i know um that the the announcer after the game you know the trouble is that they're so heartless the australians aren't they so joe root walks off and apparently the announcer said uh, you know joe root but great fight um one ball left apparently the announcer said in the ground uh, which which was actually true because there was one ball left in the over but of course it was the end of the day's play, so it didn't count. Yeah, I mean, hit twice because he was hit before the day's play as well while it, while he was practicing, and he had to go to hospital for a scan. I mean, that's I mean, that's I mean, normally when you get hit in the groin, you know, it, it does it sort of makes your head go funny for a bit, and you know, it does really hurt. It's the most painful experience I think you know, well, I've ever come across is, is being hit in the groin by a cricket ball. I, I actually remember it really clearly. I was fielding at short leg in a school match, you know, the day, you know, you know, way back when, when you didn't have all that protection, I wasn't wearing a box, I didn't have a helmet. I mean, what, what were we doing back in those days? And I remember someone flicked it off their hip and it actually hit me in the groin and I bent over in pain so quickly, doubled up so quickly, I actually took the catch. Because so, it sort of it sort of stuck there, if you like. So and that was just agony. And it, and I played on for a bit, but that evening I just felt so dizzy. So goodness knows what it must have been like for Joe Root, you know, coming back out and bowling as well. And then just before the close, he gets hit there again and has to continue on batting. I, you know, one thing I crossed my mind. I just wonder whether there was a case for him retiring hurt. But I suppose you want to, you know, you can see the close of play. You don't necessarily want a night watchman coming out and it sort of disrupts the flow of the innings, doesn't it? Um, so he, he soldiered on and uh, nicked actually quite a good ball from uh, Mitchell Stark from round the wicket. It just angled in. So he had to play at it, and it, I think it just left him a fraction from, from what I saw. And, you know, a, a decent ball to get you out under the lights in the last over. Very much over. so. Uh, of course, in, in before that, he'd, after recovering from his second blow, um, he then set off for a couple of twos, running between the wickets a bit like a bloke who's just got off his horse, uh, which is, of course, that, that other thing it leaves you with is that sort of, you know, that, that throbbing agony in between your legs, if you like. And uh, poor guy. I mean, it was a brunt, superb bit of bowling as well. And it's a why do people laugh? Yeah. Why do people laugh? I don't know because it it's not fatal, and where everybody knows you're going to recover from it eventually. And I suppose we've all been there. So uh, it's yeah. I, I guess it's just sort of it's 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 well, it's not funny though, is it? It's certainly not funny if you're the person no. suffering it anyway. No. So, but it was a good ball, yard. You were just. Well, sorry, I was going to say. I mean, I, I think it, good a ball I think it was. That, you know that last session of play emphasised how well Australia adapt to conditions and the variety in their attack. Because Stark bowled a good spell with the new ball as he would, 
and he was actually very well backed up by Jai Richardson and I thought bowled a, a, an absolute peach to Hazi Pamid, who people said, oh, we should have left it. I think that was an absolute snort of a delivery. Nothing he could have done about it. Uh, so, you know, very good opening spell by both Richardson and Stark. Then they've got Lyon to bowl both over and round the wicket and exploit the bounce and spin. And then as soon as the ball started, even hinting at reverse swing, you get Stark back on going round the wicket and, and angling it in like what the great Wazzy Macram used to do, angling in from round the wicket and then spearing it away to the right-handers. That's so difficult to play. And it just emphasises how many bowling options Australia have. And, of course, backed up by superb catching as well. Steve Smith, that low catch off Rory Burns, excellent catch, difficult, right by your your bootstraps, sort of low down just to his right. Easy one to miss that, but snapped up. Very excellent. I mean, just excellent cricket by Australia. Yeah, he's a, he's a very good slipper, Steve Smith, but ma- mainly of all, or more off the, the quick bowlers than the slow bowlers. He actually dropped one. He, he dropped Milan on 19. It was quite a difficult one because the wicketkeeper's gloves were in the way. and he, I think he saw it quite late, but no matter, Milan was out uh, soon afterwards, pinned by Michael Nisa. So, yeah, the, the, all the Australian bowlers sort of, sort of joining in, Lyon just sort of weaving his web. Actually didn't get a wicket, surprisingly, bowling to the left-handers, but really getting the ball to turn and bounce. Because he used to be a part of the ground staff, didn't he, at the, at the Adelaide Oval, uh, you know, way back when in, in a different life. And actually, you know, if he could have prepared a pitch for himself to bowl on, on the, you know, on the, in the fourth innings, it would be this sort of surface. But actually, the, the, because it was under the lights, the pace bowlers, you know, did the damage. Although, you know, he, again, he was just probing away, probing away, making it difficult for England. I have to say, I thought England, you know, they did battle it. You know, they didn't give anything away, did they? They battled hard. You know, they were out there for 43.2 overs, it was, uh, you know, by the close of play. Uh, you know, nothing was given away. They had to sort of chisel their wickets out, the Australians. But the, the task is just monumental, really. It's an impossible task, you know, well, 468 runs. But, you know, to bat that length of times, you know, you're, you're talking about you know, the sort of length of time that Mike Atherton survived for in that uh, epic test match in, in Johannesburg in the mid-1990s. And, you know, they're sort of, not exactly once in a lifetime, but they're, they're probably once in a career situations. And there's more in this pitch, much more in this pitch than there was at the, the Wanderers back in the, in the mid-90s. Although, you know, that was a fantastic innings. One of the, I think one of the great innings uh, I've seen played by an, an England mm. player. But, but, yeah, the the thing is, the Aussies have got, a really good attack for this pitch. They, we, we thought that, that obviously without Hazelwood and Cummings, they would be weakened. They are you know, slightly less potent, the two bowlers they've got, but they're quite handy bowlers for these sorts of conditions. And then they've got Cameron Green to add as well, who's improving by the innings with his bowling. You know, it's like facing, it is like a bit like facing Glenn McGrath again. Very tall, high action, good pace, and very close to the stumps, meaning it's very hard to leave the ball. You get drawn into playing at shot at balls you don't want to play at. So, you know, and obviously Lyon. I think Lyon, actually, you know, he could be even better a bowler. There's two things he could do more of. One, bowl more outside off stump to the right-handers, which he doesn't do enough, and therefore they don't have to play a lot of balls because they're bouncing over their shoulders and sort of over their hip down the leg side. And secondly, I can't believe he doesn't go round the wicket to the right-handers as well. The amount he's turning the ball round the wicket, which is what someone like Ravi Ashwin would do, go round the wicket, Ball more outside off, and then you bring LBW, bold, cork, short leg into the equation, but for some reason he's quite resistant to doing that. 
does that make a bowler feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes? You know, if you if you're natural, well, he does it I mean, to he, he does it to the left handers. Bowls, bowls it to the left yeah. handers, but it's a different angle. Of, it's a different angle of attack, True. though, isn't it? And you you got to, you know you you've got to you've got to bowl a different line, obviously, haven't you? Then you well not 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 massively different. I just, I just wonder, you know, did you find bowling over the wicket or around the wicket very it different? Is different. There's two things that are different about it. One is that the aim of the, the ball, you know, aiming the ball in a different spot, and also the follow through, particularly for a faster bowler, mm. you have to ad- adapt to that because bowling over the wicket, you follow through to the left naturally, and you can't follow through to the left bowling around the wicket because you run straight down the pitch. So you have to follow through to the right. So that's quite hard for a faster bowler. But for a spinner who hasn't got a big follow through, I don't think that's a, an issue. So it's just a question of slightly changing your line. But it's only a matter of six inches and or probably less, actually, because uh, he could she could be bowling pretty much straight to the left-handers as well. So I, I don't understand why he doesn't do it. Yeah, so it might just be a matter of preference, just you know that that sort of grooving um, feels he has enough success bowling over the wicket. Well, he's got four hundred uh, plus Test wickets, and you know he'll he'll pose lots of problems for England uh, on the the final day of the match. And I don't give England much hope of surviving. Well, possibly not even to the to the first break. Now they've lost uh, Joe Root before the close, so it's going to be sometime tomorrow. It's going to be two nil. Well, if you're tucked up in bed on a cold winter's night in the UK and obliged to try and prise yourself awake to follow the ashes with one of these 4am starts, it's a struggle, isn't it? Well, here's a solution to the process. Mission Teas. Mission have created a new range of 100% natural performance teas to provide something we all need more of, sustainable energy. They've become a favourite with professional athletes, including some of the England team. Maybe Joe Root drank the Energised blend at the tea interval today. I've certainly noticed the difference in my energy levels after drinking some of that. Anyway, whether you're following the ashes down under or not, we think you'll love what Mission offers, so we've partnered with them to give you, the listeners, 20% off your next order. All you need to do is head to missionuk.com, discover the teas you need to fuel your day using Mission's handy quiz, whether you're looking for better energy, enhanced performance or boosted recovery, and enter the code CRICKET20, all one word, at checkout. That's cricket20 at missionuk.com. I guarantee you'll definitely feel better on those early morning starts. What we should talk about, Yoz, is that Australian batting effort today. England's bowling at the start of the day. They actually pitched the ball up a little bit more. Certainly Anderson did to Nisa. What an absolute beauty, actually, to get rid of uh, Michael Nisa. Bowling him through the gate, one that that nipped back. And and Stuart Broad causing problems as well. Steve Smith dropped first ball by Joss Butler after Butler caught a really fine catch uh, down the leg side. And it was a really strange one. Uh, Butler actually almost going too far for the catch. And it was a bit closer to him uh, than he thought. And then the next ball, there was a big LBW shout. And Smith survived because the umpire said it was outside the line. Actually, it was umpire's call for impact. And it was sort of breaking the stumps in half. So, you know, you felt, you felt a bit for Broad. And Steve Smith could have been out twice from the first two balls he faced. But, you know, Butler today is a real mixture. And, you know, a mixture in this, ca- in this match as well. Uh, some fine catches today. Uh, two excellent catches and one in the first innings as well. But two drops. What, what, do, Eng- what do England do with him? I mean, we, we, sort of, we have touched on it a, li- a little bit. Does, is, is tomorrow 
a, a big day for him? You know, if he if he comes out and, and scores runs or lift his confidence, or do you think it's it, it might be time to move on within the series? Or or you know the other issue as well is is the players coming in behind you? Have they had that much cricket? Enough cricket for you know for players to be dropped? It's it's a very difficult situation. The first thing to say is he has to make runs tomorrow because if he doesn't, his confidence will be so low that it will affect his keeping even more. And I, I feel he does look a bit deflated as a character at the moment. He obviously feels terrible when he misses a catch like the ones he's missed in this game and obviously hasn't contributed with the bat. So he does look a little bit uh, sort of forlorn as a character at the moment. And you don't want that. I mean, Josh Butler is not the most extravagant sort of extrovert anyway, but you want to see that bit of sort of uh, purpose and maybe confidence in his body language which isn't particularly visible even though he has taken a couple of brilliant catches so he has to make runs if he doesn't well England have two options they either play Bairstow or they play Folks and I've no idea what... well they can't play Folks they can't play Folks because Folks has gone home right. well, but I mean in theory in, <clears throat> yeah. no in theory because yeah, he was with the Lions yeah, just just to confirm that people have been asking questions you know about the Lions you know with the Lions players well some of them have gone on to play in the Big Bash but those who aren't playing in the Big Bash have gone home and Ben Folks is one of those who's gone home so it, it has to be you know Butler or Bairstow in the next test there are those who are saying you know it should be Folks because he's the much better keeper and he can he can bat as well and you know he's got runs in in Test match cricket, although he's had quite a, a, a lean year. So that you know that's the option for them: mm. Bester or Butler for the next the, Test the, match. The, 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 so the key is obviously he's got to make runs. What I would say is uh, I think England are sort of they seem to be playing catch up with how to bowl and who to pick on these surfaces because they sort of almost picked the team. Well, certainly according to you, anyway, they picked the team for this Test. They should have picked for the first Test. And the, the way they bowled in the first innings wasn't bad. They bowled decently, but full of full of a length has to be the way to go. And if you look at most of the wickets that have fallen in this Test match, they've b- fallen to fairly full balls that are threatening the stumps or threatening the, the just the outside edge, close to the stumps, but at fullish length, drawing the batsman forward. And that's something England did better today, clearly, than they have in the earlier part of this match. And I just don't understand why it takes so long for the message to sink in. It's interesting, actually, that um, our our friend Pushka, the statistician on our World Best Cricket Club uh, group, he sent a, a very interesting list of uh, stats showing the amount of LBWs and bolds in the current decades, in the current decade compared to previous decades in Test cricket. And it, the, the number of bolds has declined more and more as actually the number of LBWs has gone slightly up because of DRS primarily. But the number of bowls has gone down because bowlers don't don't pitch the ball up nearly as much. They don't attempt to hit the stumps. And there have been a few graphics knocking around showing how many balls would have hit the wicket in England's first bowling effort and so on. And it's just very few. And I don't I don't really understand why, because that is how you take wickets predominantly in Test cricket. And we still are missing those simple little basics. Mm. I, but the interesting thing about that, okay, what, so what do you what do you call full? I mean, you, you know, <clears throat> they, they, you do that pitch map, don't you? And it, it's you know, there's on one one day games, it's all like you know Yorker, and then it's mm. it, it's slot or whatever. But you know, in a, in a test match, you normally have you know full, mm. good, and short. So what you're talking about is on, is what just on ju- the cusp just of good of, and full. Right. Mm. So kind of. It's about four yards from the batsman. Um, it's not six. Six yards is what's known as a good length, which is 
the ball where it, it, they're not sure whether to go back or forward. But if the ball isn't moving that much and also uh, the bounce is there, they can leave those balls uh, quite comfortably because they're going over the stumps. And I think with a pink ball on this particular surface, a good length ball generally is going over the stumps. So in a way, good is the wrong word. It, it's not so good, actually. You need to be able to, to, to get the, the maximum opportunity to take wickets. Surely you've got to bring several types of dismissal into, into the equation, which means bold LBW and court, really. And at the moment, I feel England are only mainly bowling for court. And they should be bowling for bold on LBWs as well, which they were today. And, and they got their rewards. But if you bowl too full, of course, you get driven, yeah. don't you? It's happy but you can time set for the fields batters. for that, though. You can set fields for that. It's long straight boundaries at Adelaide Oval. What, so what if you get driven? I think it's better to be driven than allowing the ball to just pass through harmlessly by. And it's all that effort for nothing. Yeah, and except Jimmy Anderson will say, well, look, you know, look at my career. I've played 167 <laughs> test matches and I've taken 600-odd test wickets. And Stuart Broad will say, I've played 150 test matches and I've taken 500-odd wickets. You know, the way we bowl works. Although, you know, Broad actually, in the last year or two, has bowled a little bit fuller, fuller he hasn't has. he, generally? Yeah, and he's taken more wickets as a result. And their averages, when they have bowled fuller, their averages have come down. So... It, it, sometimes you do go for more runs, but you take more wickets. And it's, of course, you know, it's very hard to, to be critical of either of those two uh, bowlers because they're all-time England greats and they they continue to serve their country with great distinction. But I feel, again, as with Nathan Lyon, there are just little things they could do to improve and be even better. Yeah, I mean, look, Anderson's figures in this in this game are remarkable. He hasn't played a you know first class match for what what is it four months something like that, and he's come out. He's bowled thirty nine overs, sixteen maidens, and taken three for sixty six. Those are his match figures. Yeah, thirty nine overs, three for sixty six. But, but I suppose what you could argue is he hasn't really influenced the the, the course of the match. Mm, that's right. And uh, if you think back to say a crucial period of play, which is when England took the second new ball on the first evening. They didn't make the batsman play, so it would it would look fine. It was a maiden over, but they didn't draw any shots out of the a ball which was brand new under lights. So that isn't necessarily it might look good in the figures, but it doesn't look good in the the end result. It's a tough old day though when it you know when you're two hundred and eighty two for one effectively you know, for the for the bowling side. England stuck out. They they picked up wickets, but in the end because they didn't have the resources. I mean, Root Root couldn't bowl for a while. Uh, Ben Stokes turned to himself and actually just bolt started bowling short again, and he he went for t two overs for for twenty four. So that, you know that didn't work. You know, that that plan and, and it just released any sort of pressure that was on Australia. But you know Milan uh, bowling, getting in the and picking up a couple of uh, wickets to his first Test match wickets. Root actually eventually joining in and picking up a, a couple as well. But we saw Ollie Robinson. Uh, bowl some offspin. That you know, that's where England ended up. They, you know, it just felt their bowling resources sort of almost run out. So Rob Robinson had to go with his off breaks. He he had actually apparently according to Stephen Finn, he he started as a an off break bowler when you know, when he was in his teenage years. He was an off spinner who you know, who batted. But I suppose as he grew, as he grew taller, you know, he suddenly thought actually I can I can wang this down. I can you know I can make batsmen hop around a bit. And then you you know you give up off-break bowling. But it did seem sort of strange, really, that that's where England went. There was no route. And Robinson bowled three overs for 11. One final question I'd like to ask you, Yoz, and you think back to your playing career. OK, you, pl you played in a strong Middlesex side where you, you probably expected to win and actually you had lots of good, consistent seasons. But can you cast your mind back, perhaps with Durham, where you go onto the field thinking, 
do we really believe we can win or we've just lost you know two three games in a row do we believe we can do something here what what's the mentality of the players and the conversations before you go out and how long before that sort of initial optimism you sort of say yeah come on chaps you know we can we can make this happen how long before that sort of dissipates on the field yeah I, I think the heart says one thing you know you want to believe but the head says another in these circumstances and it's a good question about well my career because Middlesex very successful team particularly because we had a very good bowling attack we always expected to win we felt we thought as long as our batsmen got enough runs we could bowl the opposition out for less so there was that expectation and and confidence in each other as well which gave you a sort of a resolution and, a, and an ambition and a, and a drive to, to succeed as soon as I went to play for Durham you know, most of the players in that side were at the start of Durham's first class uh, career, were uh, at the end of their careers or near the end of their careers. And so they were happy just turning up and playing, really. And there wasn't much belief in winning. Occasionally, someone like a, a Botham would say, come on, guys, now we can do this today. And especially in a one day game, we did. But in four day cricket, we just didn't have the ammunition, really. And so there was a feeling of we're probably going to lose here, but let's have some fun while we're out here. And, you know, I, and I think England definitely would feel that as well. I think they know if they look at the, the strength of the opposition, the strength of Australia in their own conditions, the potency of their bowlers and their the skills and records of their batsmen, they know England know that they're outgunned. But there is still some pride to be regained from playing uh, well, even in losing causes. Uh, uh, you know, looking back to, say, someone like Alistair Cook being in Australia in 2006-07 in the 5-0 defeat and batting well in losing causes, giving him the, the knowledge and expertise to be able to perform in these conditions four years later. And there will be players in this squad who will benefit enormously, even from the, even losing, if they perform well and assert themselves in, in these conditions. It must wear you down, though, and England's record against Australia is so poor since they won the Ashes back in 2010-11. Another defeat seems... Inevitable on the final day of this Adelaide Test match. It looks as though it's going to be 2-0 with three to play and Australia have the chance to wrap up the Ashes at the MCG. We'll review the, the final day, such as it's going to be. I mean, might not be that much play uh, on the final day in Adelaide with Australia only needing uh, six wickets. But we'll be back uh, tomorrow to bring our round-up of the second Test match with Australia closing in on victory. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus